How are you today? You all doing good? All right, I have a title message this morning that's a little bit strange, and it won't make any sense to you until about halfway through the sermon. Is that all right, Grace? Thank you for giving me permission. Good girl. Everyone say hello to Grace. All right, so the title this morning is, Are You Going for the Bimmer or You or are you going for the beamer? Are you going for the beamer or the beamer? In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting with verse 6 and going all the way to 10. Guys, can I have scriptures on the back wall, please? There we go. Awesome. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 6 to 10. Therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. Everyone look at me for a moment. As long as we are home in the body, we are away from the Lord. You know what that tells me? This isn't where we belong. We're created to be in his presence. And Paul says... We're confident. As long as we're at home in this body, we're away from the Lord. The next verse goes on to say, I've got a great message today, and no devil in hell is going to put me off. And no devil in hell is going to shame me or stop me. So if you're willing to put up with me just a little bit, I'm going to preach it. I'm going to kick some devil's butt. So here we go. Therefore, we are always confident and we know that as long as we are at home in the body, we're away from the Lord. We live by faith, not by sight. Devil, did you just hear that verse? I don't care how much you try to mess up this service. You are not deterring me. I am not moved by what I see. I am not moved by what I experience. I am moved by the power of Jesus Christ that is in me. And you're the one who's going to shut up and back off. And I'm going to keep preaching the word of God. Can I get an agreement? We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please him whether we're at home in the body or away from him. Verse 10, this is really important. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Now, there are two judgments that the Bible talks about. There is the judgment of life and death. It's called the great white throne judgment. That judgment will happen at the end of the ages. After the millennium, after hell and Hades have been thrown into the lake of fire. Just before a new Jerusalem comes out of heaven and the earth is remade. Every person who never accepted Christ will go before the great white throne judgment seat only to find their refusal to accept God will bring 
everlasting consequences. For you, the church, if you've let Jesus be your Lord and Savior, and you've lived to honor him and bring him glory, you don't go through that judgment. We go through a judgment, a different judgment. It's called the judgment seat of Christ, and it's a judgment of rewards. Everybody say rewards. It's called the Bema seat of Christ. In Greek, that's what it's called. Can I get that up there on the screen? Judgment seat is the Bema, or pronounced Bema. And it is a raised up place where the tribunal would sit and make judgment. And this particular reference is often used in Olympics. It's often used in sporting arenas in that day. And so the judges would stand at the end of the finish line. And as the competition is going on, there's a set of rules and regulations. And they're making sure that each contender is fulfilling all of the requirements of the heat of that race or that performance. And as they come to the finish line, the judges determine who came in first by their overall score, who came in second, who came in third, and they are given rewards based on their performance. It's called the judgment seat of Christ or the Bema, all right? Everyone say Bema. Bema. All right. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10 to 15, Paul reiterates this concept. And he says in verse 10, By the grace that God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. And if anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, or wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is. Because the day, and you'll see in Scripture that word day is always a capital D. The day of the Lord marks the return of Christ. It marks a pouring out of God's wrath on the earth, but it also marks when the church is raptured in the air and those who died in Christ are resurrected. And the Bible says that on that day at the coming of Christ, it will be brought to light. It will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it's burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping the flames. It's become church culture to only preach the things that get people ecstatic and excited. I have maintained that if you love the truth, no matter what the truth is, the truth will always get you excited and ecstatic. Paul makes it very clear 
that all of us as born-again believers will come before the judgment seat of Christ. And what we've done here on earth, if we've done it for selfish motive, if we've done it for personal recognition, it'll be judged. Some are building palaces and they've already received their glory and their reward. Others are building God's name and trying to advance the kingdom of God. And the Apostle Paul makes it very clear. He says, I know the foundation is Jesus Christ. The foundation of your life is Jesus Christ. What are you building on that foundation? Are you building with excellent motives? Are you building with a heart of generosity? Are you building with an attitude of the kingdom of God is first and foremost in my life? Are you building to be seen? Are you building to be noticed? Are you building so that you can have power and jurisdiction over people and be a, a boss? You see, God weighs the heart. In the world, many times we judge by what we see. God doesn't judge by what he sees. He judges by the heart. Can I get an agreement? I've seen at times people who look like, you know, they're really not performing. And yet when you sit down and talk with them and listen to their heart, they're outshining the person who looks like they've done a whole heap of good things. I'm glad I'm not the judge. I've gotten people wrong at times. I've misunderstood. I've misassessed things from time to time. But I know that my Father in heaven knows everything. And he is an excellent judge of character and of heart and of motive. Can I get an agreement? We spend a lot of time preaching that we're saved by grace. You are. Your works will never gain you entrance into heaven. Never. I could never work enough good works to wash away the sins of Rob Scarallo. I assure you. Your good works will not get you to heaven. But once the blood of Jesus has opened up the doors of salvation for us and our names are written in the book of life, let us now live with an attitude of thanksgiving. Let's show the appreciation of our salvation by working here on earth so that we can spur others on to faith, so that we could bring others into the faith, so that we could advance the cause of Jesus Christ. Listen, you might have your own business. You might have an excellent job. You might have a brilliant retirement program. But the honest truth is, if we are wise according to the Word of God, every one of us should be involved in our Father's business. And that is to advance the kingdom of God right now, right here, today, tomorrow, and forever. Can I get an agreement? We get caught up in the natural world and we forget we have a purpose here. We happen to think that life here on earth was our idea and we're asking God to bless us. God said, no, I had a purpose in you being here in the first place. And somebody got you off track and I came down and got you saved to put you back on track and I still have a purpose. 
God has a purpose for your life. He has a purpose for every one of us. Eventually, we will be with him on a, new, on a new earth filled with his glory and his presence. And anything and everything that Adam and Eve had before the fall will only be a shadow of the glorious things that are still to come for those who believe in Jesus Christ. Can I get an agreement? And so Paul says that when we sit before that Bema seat of Christ, our lives will go through review because God's intention is to reward us. Now, as Christians, we could live selfish and self-centered lives and still get to heaven. And the Bible makes it clear. Some people would tell me, Pastor, you should just avoid that bit and just stick with the positive stuff. I have a duty. You see, I want you to be prosperous here on earth. I would love it if every one of you had everything you need all the time. I would love it if every time the devil came knocking, you shooed him away and had absolute victory and your life was nothing but a dream. But I also want you to be wealthy in God's rewards in eternity. And the only way to be wealthy in God's rewards in eternity is to be rich towards God while you're living on earth. Hello? Are you all still with me this morning? You see, any, any dad wants his kids to get an excellent education and to have a great career. And I want all of my children to prosper and I want them to do well. But I'll be quite honest with you. More than that, I want them to reflect the character of God. I want them to love Jesus with all of their heart. And I want them to be a good reason. I want their lives to be a great reason of influence on the unsaved and on the saved. I want their lives to be a good reason why they're here on earth. I don't want them to go through life and just be blessed and then get to heaven. I want them to be in life and be blessed. And I want them to help take many other people to heaven as well. Can I get an agreement? And so as your pastor... I'm going to say to you what I would say and do say to my own kids. I pray that God blesses you immensely. I pray that you have great careers. I pray that you have phenomenal 401ks. I pray that you are wealthy beyond uh, description. I pray that in everything you prosper, in your marriage, in your, in your health, in your family relationships, I pray that you prosper and have everything in great abundance. But I pray that you will show the character of Christ through your life while you live here so that you will act out God's will and be wealthy and rewarded in abundance in eternity. Can I get an amen? In Matthew uh, chapter 6, we've been uh, reading this verse for the last couple of weeks. 
And it says, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in. He's not saying you can't have riches here. He's saying, don't make this your treasure house. Are you hearing me? He's not saying you can't go after the bimmer. I like nice cars. How many of you like nice cars? Only a few? There are more nice cars out there than I saw hands go up. So if you really don't like your nice car, you could give it to me. Come on, don't be, don't be so spiritual that you're not honest. How many of you like nice cars? I see Ferraris and I think, wow, that's nice. I could see myself behind that steering wheel. Look, I'll be totally honest with you. Has anyone ever seen a Tesla? All right, the electric car. I think it's very sleek. I think it's very shapely. I think it's very uh, pricey. Actually it's, actually, it's not badly priced. Beautiful car. I'd love to have one one day. There's nothing wrong with having nice things. There's nothing wrong with wanting nice things. But don't make earth and the treasures here your treasure chest. Amen. Make heaven and eternity your treasure chest. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and vermin don't destroy and where thieves cannot break in and steal. So are you living for the Bimmer, the BMW, or are you living for the Bema, the judgment seat of Christ? Are you living for what you could get here or are you living for what you could get there? You know... People say you can't have your cake and eat it too. I want you to know that God wants you to have your cake and he wants you to eat it. What's the sense of having the cake if you can't eat it? I mean, that's pretty sick. I mean, honestly, isn't that pretty sick? You can have your cake, but you can't eat it too. Who made that up? That is one sick person. Can't have your cake and eat it too. So I could have the cake, but then you're going to eat it? Not on my watch. Don't come and try to eat my cake. If it's my cake, it's my cake. You see, God wants you to have the cake, and he does want you to eat it. He wants you to be blessed here, but he wants you to understand that there is a life that eclipses this life. This is just a blip on the radar. And your daddy in heaven wants you to be wealthy in everything here on earth, but he wants you to be wealthy in eternity. And by wealth, I mean a lot more than just money. He wants you to be rich in good deeds. He wants you to be rich in good attitude. He wants you to be rich in good motives. Come on, am I preaching the truth here? Look, this is a big deal in Scripture, and I know it may not be preached often, but it doesn't change the fact that it's a big deal in Scripture. 
In Matthew chapter 16, verse 27, Jesus said, For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they've done. The Son of God's going to come. And when he comes, he's coming with rewards. And then... When we get caught up in the rapture, how many of you believe in the rapture? How many of you believe Jesus is coming again? How many of you know that when the rapture happens before we get caught up, the dead in Christ get caught up first? Hello? It's going to be amazing. And the Bible says, Jesus says, I'm coming with my rewards. If you're not going to be rewarded for another thousand years, why is he coming with his rewards? At the resurrection of the saints... At the rapture of the saints, we will meet him and we will come before that judgment seat of Christ and what we've built with honest motive for the kingdom of God. You can fool me. You can fool others. You can even fool yourself. But we will never fool the Lord. And when we serve him with honest integrity and when we serve him not to be seen or to be patted on the back but because we genuinely love him and love the things of his kingdom then all of our life will go through the fire and it'll come out like gold and God will start rewarding us and if that isn't true then Jesus lied and if that isn't true then Paul heard from a demon when he wrote about this in 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians and if that isn't true then eat drink and be merry because tomorrow you die and it's all over but that, my friend, is a lie. And the truth is that as surely as you and I live here right now, our Father has given us breath. Our Father has given us strength. But our Father has given us a purpose. And it is a purpose to advance his kingdom and to preach the gospel and to stir people on to faith and to good works in Jesus Christ. Can I get an agreement? So Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16, I read it to you, that he's about to come back with the, 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 the Father's glory with angels and he will bring his rewards with him. And then in Revelations, Revelations chapter 22 verse 12, he says it again, look, I'm coming soon. My reward is with me. I'm coming soon. My reward is with me. Do you understand? Twice he talks about the fact that he's coming back. And twice he talks about rewards. And you could get really super spiritual and think, oh, that's, that's a carnal perspective. Don't say it. That's God's idea, not my idea. Oh, you're just preaching this stuff because you want to motivate us to do more for the church. No, I'm preaching this stuff whether you like it or you don't like it because I want you to know the truth. You see, the gospel of salvation prepares you for eternity. But the gospel of the kingdom of God prepares you. Prepares you to conquer the earth. The gospel of salvation prepares you to exit the earth the gospel of the kingdom prepares you to conquer the earth. 
You see, yeah, amen. We have a job, and we have a great job. And I want to tell you that though at times it seems like hard work, my father keeps good records, and he pays handsomely. Don't store up your treasures here. What is Jesus saying? You can't have the Bimmer. You could have the Bimmer. You could have the Tesla. You could even have the Ferrari. But if your life isn't rich in good works, if there's a brother who's in need and you can't bless them, if there's a missionary who's in need and you can't give to the mission field, if there's a poor person who's living on the street and you can't be bothered to try to help them, then your treasure's here. And when this life is gone, so is your treasure. Store up your treasures in heaven. See, I, 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 don't, I don't preach because I can't do anything else. I'm not in the ministry because I stink at everything else. There are a lot of things I could do, and I know I could do it well. I do this because nothing will pay dividends like working for my father. In this world, right now, you could earn $800 a week. You could earn $1,200 a week. Some people are earning $5,000 a week. Some people might even earn $10,000 a week. God knows what some of our athletes are making. God bless them. But if human flesh that can be greedy and corrupt can pay wages like that, do you honestly think that a fallen mortal will outdo your father in giving rewards? Thank you, Russ. And you always say things like that. And church, in all honesty, I'm trying to convey truth. I'm not trying to package sermons. I'm trying to convey truth. Do, do I want everyone more involved in the house of God? Yeah, but why? Because there's a world that's going to hell. Because the poor need help. Because the world needs you. And because there are brothers and sisters here that need encouragement and they need help. And if we only live minding our own business, we are not about our father's business. Amen. We have to be caring for one another and we have to be mindful of the things of God and we have to be willing to make sacrifices so that the kingdom of God can advance. Listen, I'd love to have a Tesla. There's one version of the Tesla. It's called the Ludicrous. Do you know why they call it the Ludicrous? Yeah. One model is called the Ludicrous. Joe, do you know why it's called the Ludicrous? It's, it's all electric. No emissions. It's called the Ludicrous because it could go zero to 60 in three seconds. That's ludicrous. I drove one once. You don't hear a thing. The thing is like a whisper. I love stuff like that. If you don't think I don't like nice homes with fancy backyards, I love that stuff. 
But I honestly, with all of my heart, believe that 80 years, 90 years on earth is a blip. And we're going to live for eternity. And I honestly believe that living for God during this blip is better than living for Rob. And living for God means that sometimes and a lot of times I died of what I want so I could help other people get further ahead in the things of God. When we're living about our business, we're not living from the heart of God, we're not living from the mind of God, and we're not living from the will of God. He wants you to be prosperous in everything. But he also wants you to be prosperous in character, in Christian virtue, in the things that reflect the heart and the character of your father. And I can assure you, whether your wage is $30,000 a year or whether you make $300,000 a year or whether you're on $3 million a year, I can assure you, nobody on earth will give you the dividends or pay you the reward that your Father in heaven will. We have gotten caught up in the world of Nike and the world of fashion and the world of statements. And the church has forgotten that living for Christ is the greatest statement of all. I'm calling everybody to come back to what God intended from the beginning. And that was that his church wouldn't be something that just meets on a Sunday morning. But that his church would be something that gathers around the water cooler at work. That it'd be something that gathers together in the marketplace. That who we are is Christ in us. Why do we close the cupboard doors and nobody ever sees the Christ in us? Come on, church. I, you know, I'll bust my butt to build this church and to look after people in this house. But not because it's my job but because my father taught me well. The things of God are worth it. The things of God are worth it. The things of God are worth it. Your children are watching you and they're assessing where you put your greatest value. And you can do all the Jesus talk you want, but they're not stupid. They know where your greatest value is. You may convince everybody else in church. You might convince your neighbor. But your kids read your heart on a regular basis. And they know what your priorities are. Amen. Praise God. Did I get myself into enough trouble this morning?
You know why there's a passion for a revival? Because a revival will bring the church to what God calls normal. If an ambulance pulled up here today and paramedics came running into this building, how many of you would put your hand up and say, quick, 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 stick the, um, the paddles on my chest and revive me? How many of you would raise your hand and beg them to revive you? In fact, we would expect that they would probably only do that to the person who's on the edge of death. Would you agree? The mere fact that the church even has to talk about revival is an indictment against us. We are living at the edge of death spiritually. Because we have become more concerned about the things of this world. And the things of this world aren't our meat. And they aren't our bread. And we become spiritually sick and anemic. I want you to be lean, mean. <laughs> I want you to be a God machine. Amen. <laughs> Look, this, this message isn't coming out nowhere near as fancy as I intended. The screen's not working with me 100%. A couple of things have thrown me off, but hear my heart. Because the message is my heart. We, we, we could so easily, thank you, sweetie. You know, I, I think of how God redeemed your life. And 99% and, and of the folk here have got no idea your story. And it's your story. But you are amening me and saying yes to Jesus because God was able to take hold of your life because of a place like this. Amen. We, we want to debate about is what the pastor doing is right. We want to debate about, do we sing too long? Do we repeat a song too many times? Is he preaching too many hard things? We want to debate a lot of things, but you know what we need to debate? Is another soul worth saving? If I could physically put each person on fire and make you live like a, a wild person for Jesus, I would make an altar call right now, and I would literally torch every one of you. And I mean that in love. <laughs> I mean it in love. Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> 1, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. Command those who are rich in this world to give up their money. Is that what it says? See, if being rich in this world was a problem, it would say command those who are rich in this world to give up their money. That's not what it says. It says command those who are rich in this present world, present world, this was a short-lived world. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, not to put their hope in wealth, which is uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. He is not anti-prosperity. 
And when you get religious people who want to, you know, talk down about a prosperity message, they don't understand the heart of God. And they're hypocrites because as parents, they want their kids to prosper, but then they think that God doesn't want us to prosper. I'm not going to be a part of that hypocritical band. But by the same token, monetary prosperity should not be without spiritual prosperity. God wants us to be prosperous in the fruit of the Holy Spirit. God wants us to be prosperous in the gifts of the Spirit. God wants us to be prosperous in good works. And he wants us to be prosperous in financial blessing. Why is it that the church always wants to pick and choose just a few little things? It comes from a mind of, uh, of meagerness. God is not meager. He is abundant. And he wants us to prosper and be blessed in every respect. Can I get an agreement? He goes on and he says, command them to do good. I'm commanding you today. Oh, pastor, you shouldn't preach like that. I'm commanding you today. Well, you should just give it to us and it's up to us whether we receive it or not. It is still up to you whether or not you receive it. But by the authority written in the word of God, I am commanding you today to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and be willing to share. The Bible tells me to preach it without watering it down. I'm commanding you. If I don't, I'm a bad shepherd. If I don't speak the truth to you, I am not being an, a, a man of integrity with the word of God. I need to urge you because the fairy tale out there, the draw of the world is very powerful and it causes us to forget our eternal purpose. You are born again to live with the power of the Spirit of God to tear up the gates of hell, to tear up the works of darkness, to tear up Satan's control over the earth. We have heard the gospel of salvation for too long. We need to preach the gospel of the kingdom of God. The gospel of salvation will prepare you to exit the earth. The gospel of the kingdom of God will prepare you to conquer the earth. We don't go to church. We've all caught on to that phrase. It's, it, they, it's said all over the United States of America. We are great as Christians to repeat things like little poly parrots. We don't go to church. We are the church. If we are the church, the world is yet to find out. I love getting excited about there is power in the name of Jesus. But what are we doing about it? What are you doing when you're coming across poor people? What are you doing when you're reading about missionaries? Are you willing to put your hand in your pocket? Or are you afraid that you're going to take too much out of your treasury here on earth? Hey, listen, I, I already blew it for myself about 15 minutes ago, so I'm all in now. <laughs> <laughs> 
The Bible tells me I have to command you to be rich in good works. I have to command you to be generous. So I'm not going to, uh, you know, preach this with a, a feather duster. I'm going to preach it the way it's written. In this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age. Stop. Do you understand what he just said? Follow the context. Command them. Command them to be rich in good works. Command them to be generous. Command them to get off their butts and to pull their heads out of their butts sometimes. All right? Command them to be the church. Why? So that they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming ages. So that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. If the only way to have church growth, if the only way to have church growth was to water down the gospel, then give me a handful of people and let me tell them the truth. Now, I don't believe that to be the case. I, and I don't believe that to be the case. I believe in growth. I believe in the church expanding. I believe in buying the land across the street. There's 12 acres with our name on it. I'm waiting to get that. I want to buy some land behind us as well. I want to start doing some housing for the poor. I want to set up businesses for the kingdom of God to generate finances so that we can put more money into missions. There are a lot of things I want to do. I dream dreams of business, but every dream I dream of business, I dream it for the kingdom so that we could pour more money into the kingdom of God. And I am told to convey this same mindset and the same attitude to you. I'm told to command you to understand that you're to be generous and you're to be a giver and you're to do good works so that I help you to lay up treasures for yourselves as a firm foundation in the life that really is life because this isn't really life. Amen. Good preaching, Pastor Rob. Proverbs 19, 17. Whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord and he will reward them for what they have done. Church, God's a rewarder. He's a great rewarder. But if life is only about what you could get here and now, you missed it. You might get to heaven, but you missed the heart of God. I don't want to get to heaven and have missed the heart of my daddy. If life is only about what you can get now, you're missing it. Your salvation, now that he has redeemed you from the hands of demons... Now that he has pulled you out of the shame of your sin and my sin, the things I would be utterly embarrassed to tell you that I've imagined and the things I've done, 
The things that I am so glad are drowned in the blood of Jesus. Now that he has redeemed me from these things, I'm going to set up an altar and burn sacrifices to the great Rob Scarallo. No. I'm going to put myself on fire and become the sacrifice for the kingdom of God. So are you living for the Bima? Are you living for the Bima? I believe you can have both. You can have your blessings here. But the best way to get blessed here is by doing it according to the principles of God's word. God says when you give to the poor, when you care for people, when you help other people, when you're spreading the gospel, he will reward you. And I'm going to tell you something right now. Even if I went to my grave absolutely broke, I'm going to preach this point because it's the word of God and therefore it's the truth. And if my circumstances were never to line up with that truth and that reality, I don't care. I'm going to preach it because it's the word of God. Amen. Did you hear me? Amen. And I know that when I slip out of this shell and I step into eternity, my daddy keeps really good records. And everything I've done for him he will repay and he will pay the wages. He will give me my mistos, my wages, and he will also give me the repayment for what I have for, paid forward. And God pays with great interest. Pressed down, shaken together, and running out all over the place. Let's stand. Praise God. God is good. Omar, you got some nice cars. <laughs> and I'm glad you do. And that's okay. And don't be ashamed of it. You've worked hard and you've earned it. And your father's pleased for you to have toys. He's happy about that. But he also loves the fact that you're building your family on the things of God. And that's what has great value. There are two judgments. Everyone who's born again will only go to one. And it's a judgment where we have the opportunity to get our rewards. And they're there. There is a second judgment. The great white throne judgment. church doesn't like to preach about fire and hell and brimstone anymore. We've been shamed out of talking about it. And yet Jesus talked about it. 
He said, people will be cast into outer darkness with this gnashing of teeth, with their screaming in agony. We've been shamed out of talking about it, and yet my Savior, Jesus, talked about it. You see, I understand there's a way to preach about it, and there's a wrong way. You can preach about hellfire and brimstone and almost have a smile on your face because you're sending everyone you don't like to hell. That's wrong. You can preach about hellfire and brimstone and try to scare hell out of everyone. That's wrong. Doesn't change the fact. It is a fact and it's truth. And why is it the church doesn't talk about it anymore? Oh, because it's negative. Wait a minute. Then the world doesn't live by the same rules. Because the world preaches about safe sex and they teach your kids how to use condoms so that they don't get <laughs> genital diseases and sexually transmitted diseases. That's a negative topic too. But we dance around truth and we don't want to talk about truth because we're afraid they're going to get offended. And yet, sometimes they live in more reality than we do. Now, I have never preached about hell in a way where I preach condemnation. Never. But nor am I going to be shamed out of talking so that I don't ever mention hell or anything like that. Rubbish. It's in the Word of God. It's a reality. We will either spend eternity with Christ or there will be a horrible end for everyone who has received such an innocent, pure gift called Jesus Christ. Amen. So there is a second judgment. We don't go through it. I hope no one will go through it. I hope everyone comes to Jesus Christ. But all the more, don't live the gospel of salvation. Don't live the gospel of salvation. It'll prepare you to exit the earth. God wants you to live the gospel of the kingdom. It'll prepare you to conquer the earth. Your neighbor is your neighbor, and that's the one that God's going to ask you when you're in heaven, where's your neighbor? What are you going to do? Say, who's my neighbor? The guy next door. We are our brother's keeper. We are the church. We are the church. And sometimes we've got to put our hand in our pocket and give and bless and honor. Sometimes we have to just pour our finances into the house of God to spread the works of evangelism and the works of the church. And if I can't preach this stuff in America and grow a church, then maybe I'll go to a third world country. But I am not going to water down the truth. I am not going to water down God's word. And I am not going to try to win favor with you at your personal expense. We will all stand before God. And I urge every man in this house, and I urge every woman in this house, get your heart right with God and live for God.
If you've never asked Jesus in your heart and you want to do that, raise your hand. If you'd like to accept Christ in your life today, raise your hand. I'm not going to try to scare you. You either want it or you don't. Never ask Jesus or you want to come back to Christ. He loves you. God loves you. All right, I'm going to tell you what we are going to do. One of our own passed away just this Thursday. Dominic was our bass player. 58 years old, he died suddenly. He was going to pick up his wife from work. He works from home. Take her to Connect Group. He never showed up. She took an Uber home and found him to be with Jesus on the floor. Dominic recently took out a business loan. $25,000. He couldn't take it out in his own name because he didn't have great credit. Dominic and Lisa have only been married 18 months. If the loan was in Dominic's name, the bank would have written it off. It's in Lisa's name. He's going to be cremated, but they don't even have the funds for that. I took up an offering only two weeks ago for someone in this church who just had a fire and lost everything. And I'm going to take up an offering for Lisa so that we can honor Dominic and help his widow. And we're going to bless her. That guy was playing bass in heaven today. I'm going to ask the ushers to come forward. If you're wondering why our singers and musicians were maybe more excited today, it's because they knew Dominic was worshiping from heaven with us. Amen. You see, this is where we decide, are we the church or aren't we the church? This isn't the kind of thing you want to talk about if you're trying to impress new people. Have a fun service. Make it sharp, short, and send everyone home. You know what? I don't care about that. I really don't. If I can't be the church, then I don't want to make believe the church. Did you hear me? This is where we be the church. I didn't get too many amens, but I'm going to keep going. This is where we get to be the church. I don't want to make believe the church. I want to be the church. And so, yeah, I'm going to ask you if you would consider to be generous. If a dollar is humongous for you, be generous. And if $100 is nothing for you, be generous. Let's be the church of Jesus Christ. Lisa just lost her best friend. And she needs our help. And I realize that uh, (laughs) 
I might lose some points on the popularity scale. I'm never moved by what people think. I want to be moved by what's right. Ushers, if you would start to make your way in church, God bless you. Whatever you can do, we're not begging. You have an opportunity to be blessed. Amen. Thank you, ushers. Now, Father, I thank you for everyone here today. And it is my heart that everyone comes to Jesus Christ and loves him. And if there are any here today that haven't made that decision, then you touch them and you speak to them. Bring them to Christ quickly. And Father, I pray that you will continue to move in this church with the love that is in Christ and help us to love one another the way you love us. Help us to care. And help us to share. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. Praise God.